All right, so what you're about to listen to is episode two of the story of Red Platoon in Afghanistan in 2009. Uh, if, you, if you're just coming over here from episode one, what you're about to hear is Kyle Knight, Zach Kopis, and Christopher Jones recount the events of that battle, the positions that they took up, the counterattack against the enemy, the recovery of the wounded and killed, and the conclusion of that day. Enjoy. So where we, we were talking before we, before we took a break, um, kind of where everybody was at. And I think we were kind of in the first hour to 90 minutes, first hour probably of, um, of the battle. And I think the question I was going to ask before we took a break was we were talking about LRAS positions, um, which were Humvees that were parked at certain spots on the base to, as a base defense uh, weapon. And were these, I've seen before, were you would elevate these on top of uh, uh, HESCOs or something like that and have a ramp up? Were these Humvees just parked on the ground or were they elevated? They were parked on the ground. Because you guys didn't really have a tall barrier around the base, huh? No. It was like one HESCO? Yeah, one HESCO and C-wire. Okay. No, the, a wall tall, you know, tall enough to have any sort of effect on incoming would that be really tall. The angle they had on it, like, it didn't really matter. Sure. That makes sense. Um, so there's a lot of, uh, a, a huge part of this whole, whole battle was the guys at LRAS too. So what was your situational awareness out there of what was going on with LRAS too? Pretty much thought they were all dead. Yeah. Yeah. But the last I heard is, uh, you know, Hart was on the radio and he said, there's an RPG aimed right at me and then you uh, we heard the rocket go off and that was the last i heard of, of anyone out there so i mean the, i think the assumption of everyone was that they were all dead yeah when they first went i mean they barely made it and then when the resupply came i mean they turned around immediately it was just it was impossible it was just impossible to uh, get anybody over there really i'm amazed they made it that far honestly and I, I guess what was your guys' situational awareness throughout the day? Did you have where you were, how, how isolated was each element as far as what you knew? Um, my radio got shot pretty early, and I needed a new radio. And they brought me a radio, but it was the fire's radio. So it was them talking to the, 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 the airplanes and the helicopters. The only thing I knew was coming is when they would go to do a bombing run, I knew to duck uh, so I wouldn't get my head taken off. But that's the only thing was I, I could talk to the talk and I could hear them talking to the birds. Um, Romache came out uh, after Jones uh, and Danley came to my position. And then he left and I, I had no idea what was going on. Just just row the last thing he's like hold it down brother and then i didn't see anyone for for hours and it an hour into an hour into it who had already been uh wounded and killed uh thompson got killed pretty much immediately um kirk went down in the first five or six minutes um the, the building I was against was the barracks and third platoon. If you weren't 
on guard, you were the kind of support element where you'd come and bring ammo and stuff. And uh, Scuza was the first one out of the building. And uh, before I could even say anything, uh, they had shot him uh, right beside me. And then they shot Funk too. Uh, and he had to crawl back into the, the building. Uh, they couldn't even get out. But that first couple of minutes, just because they had us so pinned down, they were able to, to get some of us pretty quickly. And then after the initial, there was a period of just fighting uh, and everyone was holding their, basically strong holding something. Yeah. Okay. Just trying to trying to corner up um, because like Joan said, it was, it was impossible. You couldn't get out there. And so the best thing you could do is just try to hold it down. In, uh, in, an, in another position was um, Larson, Carter, Gallegos, uh, Mace, and Martin, right? Mm-hmm. At a Elraz, two, two, and uh, and they were out there for a while on their own. Um, Kyle and, and Jones, did you guys ever see those guys at all during the day until after they had already, uh, until until the end, basically when they had got gone to rescue Mace? I think I saw Larson by the end of the day. And I was like, hey, you know, glad you're alive. Um, I've seen Carter when uh, I think right, I, I think it was, I mean, I can't, I can't remember straight sometimes after getting blown up, but uh, I think I seen Carter uh, and he popped his head out, but that was it. After that, that's when I went to the point. I didn't, I didn't see Larson again until the, later it's i'm trying to help people understand basically um and understand myself how so few of you guys managed to fight so hard in with with against overwhelming odds without really being able to even understand where the where each other were um so so I, just, I I I'm just like it's it's un it's unreal it's like uh, it's unbelievable um, and unimaginable for me to think kind of what you guys were each doing during the day I think that's what, just what I'm trying to what I'm trying to understand it's it's uh, like I, I think a big part of it was I knew everyone in my platoon would fight until they couldn't fight anymore and I didn't know where they were I didn't know what they were doing but I knew that they're going to be doing it with all their heart. And, uh, I mean, when Jones left, I was like, I thought he was dead and then he's right back in the battle. So there was nobody quit. Nobody stopped fighting. Nobody said, you know, it's over. We're done. Uh, you may not know who's behind you. So you were just going to fight as hard as you could. And so even though we weren't even aware of who was even alive, we could have been the last one. No one, no one was planning their escape. It was, heels in the ground let's fight till we can't fight anymore was what were you feeling you know 30 minutes in 45 minutes in was there like in a like a how did you maintain the energy what was like the was it was it anger was it fear was it adrenaline was it concern trying to protect other people 
What was the what was driving you? I'd say uh, first I was uh, I found out Kirk got killed in the trench, and um, that was my team leader, and uh, it just it it pissed me the fuck off to be honest with you. And after that, I mean, there's maybe once or twice where I had the uh, like we were saying earlier, uh, uh, you just kind of accepted death. Like, this is it. It's, it's over. Um, so that's just where I was at. Oh, for me, it was like fear at the beginning. Like, I shot because I didn't want to get shot. And uh, and then when it started falling apart, that's when Roche came to shoot that sniper behind me. And he was just like, we're all going to die. And it almost, like, was so confusing. I was like, oh, is this – it's not real. Like, no, it didn't even feel real. And then he left and I was like, okay, you know, let's, let's do this. Let's keep, let's keep it up. Let's keep up the fire. Um, but truly, I, I think a lot of it was just like we were saying earlier, you, you don't know who's still out there depending on you. And uh, it was the guy beside you. You're like, got to keep fighting, got to keep fighting. So, and, and our guys, the eight guys that we lost, I mean, that was the mentality they had too, was just keep fighting, keep fighting. So, um, it feels good that we could honor them by, you know, we didn't lose that fight. We kept fighting yep. and uh, we were able to, to keep our chins up and keep our eyes forward and keep on firing on the enemy. Kyle, do you have anything? Yeah. You know, pretty much what they said a lot of like the, um, the battle plan or typical battle plan, you know, evaporated almost instantly. So you, you know, everybody had, everybody was making independent decisions and uh, we, you know, we discussed all the, you know, a lot of our, you know, strategies further. Everybody was on, every and Red team was on the same page. Like you always, you always knew what, what, you know, they would do in, in any situation. Huge amount of trust just to believe that. Because part of it is like, I'm going to keep fighting because I know they're going to keep fighting. And I know they were like, I'm going to keep fighting because I know he's going to keep fighting. And, and we had built that trust up. We were talking about the year leading up to us deploying that there was nobody in, in our platoon who wouldn't give it all for the guy beside him. So you kept that mentality through the whole fire. I think that's it. You know, I think you, you really said it right there, which is, and I think we apply that to our families in a lot of cases too, and the people closest to us, the people we choose to be on our team, you know, are people that we know will do the right thing to do. We'll do everything they, they can. We'll exhaust every effort. Till they there's nothing left and when you know that when you have that kind of faith in your team you can do anything which you guys demonstrated that day what um okay so at some point at LRAS 2 they they had made a break for it to try to get out in the, you know this none of you guys saw what happened right but in the so the book covers it um, pretty well that they tried they had to they had to make a decision to move or they were going to get basically they were pinned down so they they had to move or they were going to die in that in the Humvee uh, yeah. so they break out Gallegos Mace and Martin and make a make a move behind a building where they get hit right away after getting out of out of the Vic. Um, 
they make a move. Martin, who was the mechanic, he shot. Uh, correct me if, if any of this isn't right. Please correct me. I'm just going off of what I, what what I got out of the book. Um, they're hit by an RPG. Mace is wounded. Gallegos carries Mace around a building where they're both shot. Gallegos is killed, and Mace survives the getting shot, and he's wounded. Um, at some point, Larson and Carter, or Carter runs out, gets Mace, brings him back to the, to the vehicle, and later on, Carter and Larson will carry Mace back to medical. Is that accurate? And then this would have been uh, when you guys were getting ready to when when they when Lieutenant Bunderman would have ordered Alamo. Is that around the same time? Uh, I believe I believe they didn't they didn't come back until like uh, Jonesy's team took up to the sheriff building. Yeah, because everyone just thought they were they were dead. And, oh, so this is even order- later. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it was. Yeah, it was probably evening time, maybe. Yeah. Oh wow. Oh yeah. It was. It took us a while. I mean, we engaged. How long did we engage? Hours. Hours. hours I mean, hours. like even after that. I mean, it was like the next few days. I mean, we had to. So yeah, I and, and we thought the mortars were all dead because yeah. we lost communication with them too. So we just. I think the assumption was everyone on this side of the line is, is gone. Like he's saying, we just wanted to get the bodies. That was our main concern because we just, we don't want the Taliban to get it. So you, so you, the, the point where Romache led the counterattack, Jones, you were with him? Yeah. What, how did that go down for you? Um, you know, uh, it was, uh, it was just one of those moments where, um, it's either fight or die, man, or, or fight dying. Right. You know what I mean? It's just, um, he came in there and he asked for volunteers and, uh, um, every, you know, uh, I just, uh, I, I just didn't hesitate for some reason. Like I said, I was irritated earlier about, uh, or just angry about Kirk dying. And then, uh, when I collapsed to the red platoon barracks, um, the Alamo position, uh, I just didn't like feeling like this is it. I don't want to die just sitting on the floor guarding a door or something you know what i mean like i like if we have a chance let's do that and i just that was just my whole take on that and you know uh, uh he just had a real quick plan we went out there and uh um it, it wasn't nothing fancy it was just let's let let's get the ammo supply and 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 go from there and that's what we did and uh like i said earlier i could get into more details but it would just take it would take a long time and uh um, but, uh, yeah, I went with him and then eventually I was uh, set up in a position next to the ammo supply point on the road. And, uh, that's where I was, uh, until evening, basically. And I was providing cover fire for them while they were going to get the, 
the KIA and uh, Carter and Larson. And one of the things I always admired is, is I was in there. Uh, he asked for volunteers. He didn't say, you know, grab your gun, you're coming with me. And I think that says a lot about just like his trust in the platoon that, yeah, he didn't have to tell us, hey, this is probably going to end with us dying. He's like, if you, if you got it in you right now, uh, let's do this. And I mean, Red Platoon stepped up. Absolutely. So, uh, I think it just speaks volumes of his trust in us and our trust in him. And the fact that no one, no one had to be ordered to do anything that day. Everyone did it because uh, we were going to fight until we couldn't fight it. Exactly. So you were, so Zach, you were still engaging targets from the Mark 19 at this point Correct. when this happened. And Kyle, you were defending another position on base, right? I was out in the smoke shack. And, uh, when Jones and them pushed out, they threw that smoke grenade right in front of my face. <laughs> it scared the living shit out of me. And then they're all like, <laughs> you know, running out there. It was pretty badass. Like that was that was a they. That was a, a morale a morale boosting event. It was. It was seeing a everyone push out. That was that was the term. And then you then you started to start to relax. And, you know have a, a good time <laughs> yeah absolutely uh that's also when the rain came yeah, yeah I get it. it's storming that there yeah it was it, it was a miracle thing because uh the building our third building was on fire and the wind blew the smoke across the so they couldn't see down into the base and then the rain came it was like it was just the even the earth uh was pushing for us to win on that moment so <laughs> absolutely it was just like uh, uh that's when you know you're talking earlier when did you feel hope uh, is when I heard on the radio that they were making the push and just to have uh, all the faith in the world and the guys that were going out there and the guys that were defending uh, the movement and everything. So that's when I felt like we could actually do this. And Jones, there was five of you guys or six total? Uh, there was actually six of us. Yeah, I believe uh, it was uh, Romache, uh, uh, Sergeant Raz, uh, Sergeant Miller, who was he a? He uh, was a fister we had just got. He had right. been there what, like three or four days. Yeah. And uh, I don't know where when he came in. Uh, I think that was the tail end when we were going. We just picked up one more, and it was Delaney and uh, uh, a gentleman I was telling you about earlier, uh, uh, Dan, who was in our platoon. The uh, laughing guys go with you. They came afterwards. We were the initial push. Like uh, we we went out. It was just the six of us. They cleared uh, uh, that, uh, I think Romache and uh, Raz went into uh, the Haji shop, or I don't know if it was the Haji shop, just where the some of the Afghans that were on the uh, outpost would uh, hang out or live at, I guess. Mm -hmm. and, uh, um, they went in there and they cleared that, and uh, that's when we seen, uh, I forget what spot that was, but it was a pretty good position. Mm -hmm. Um, I had a uh, pretty good visibility of uh, the river going down the road. I just had a uh, blind spot to my right. Uh, that that was uh, uh, the Hesco's and the road curved, and I just I couldn't see someone coming right up on uh, was pumped. And uh, and I it, that's like I said, that's where I stayed most of the day. And uh, we engaged the enemy on the cop uh, right there at that position too, not where I was facing down the river. But backwards towards uh, the mountains, uh, we seen people above the mortar pit, and we started engaging them. 
Uh, we seen people by the rock, or was it LRAS one? Yeah. LRAS uh, two. two was, um, and uh, the Taliban or whoever they were would literally they literally drop their weapons and just started fighting. Well, uh, they also thought we were all dead. Yeah, so absolutely. They had, a lot of them had put their guns down. Yeah, and were like celebrating, and then when they pushed up, they just oh, got yeah. waxed. They, oh, there yeah. was a lot of them that were like walking down the road and stuff, like cheering and. Oh yeah. Uh, and when that element moved up, they just—I mean, one in a million—it just caught them on surprise, and then that's when the, the big push. It was great. Happened. It was a real turnaround. Like they said, it was. Uh, uh, you know, that's when things uh, started to turn around. That's just mm -hmm. my opinion. Uh, yeah, really good, good on Romache, man. That was uh, some people didn't want to do that mission. I was standing right there, and I'm not going to say their names. They didn't want to do that, and uh, 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 Romache not said we have to do this, or there's just we're all going to die. It seems like, and I and you know I don't know what you think about this, but it seems like doing what you guys did at that moment saved everyone. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I was over there and I, I didn't know who was alive. And like I said, they, they came over because they were talking on the fires net. Hey, we're going to have an element moving. Don't shoot the element moving. And uh, after that, uh, I stopped getting shot at. So I don't know if they were moving away. They were trying to re, you know, fix themselves so that they could attack us again. But that just broke their back. And uh, uh, it affected, the, you know, kind of collapsed what they had going on. And, uh, you know, no doubt that they, if, if they would have kept pushing, if they thought we were still alive when they were in the base, I think we'd all be, be dead by now. Some of them did come to the corner of, uh, you seen them, did Unite, Red Platoon Barracks, or uh, oh, yeah. who was out there when the, do you remember that? When they came around? That was all oh, certain days when he was like, Charlie and the Liar. Yeah. And he goes to shoot and the gun's on safe. <laughs> yeah, and that's when uh, Sergeant Stanley, uh, another guy I want to give a shout out to, is, uh, Sergeant Stanley, uh, just hustled his ass up there. I mean, like multiple times came up to me. It was like, dude, what do you need? Just, you know, when I was uh, at that position, when we uh, uh, started pushing back. Yeah, Stan and, Stan and Avalos pretty much fed me an endless supply of Gatorade yeah. cigarettes and uh, ammunition. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was pushing out back toward the uh, chow hall. Cigarettes started being like, man, where are they at, man? I smoke three packs of cigarettes. <laughs> Ramesh gave me a pack of Camel Lights. <laughs> it was great. I'll smoke now. Dude. I I uh, I wonder. I have a question, Jones, for you, which is, um, you, when you guys went on that counterattack, what do you think, from your perspective, was the the competency level of the enemy. What I mean is, were these guys trained? Were these guys local, you know, farmers? Were they spray and pray? Were they, did they understand their weapon systems, tactics? You know, um, no. I'd have to say uh, tactics, no. I mean, obviously, uh, shooting all of us, and I mean, it's pretty easy. We're down there in the bowl. Uh, like they said, even they were, uh, we, we would think of how they would attack us. I mean, it was just a horrible position. But I'd say it was a mixture of both as far as, like, people who were actually trained and just probably some local guys. Because 
there was a few guys we engaged that I feel like had no idea what they were doing. Um, some of them did. Um, some of the guys we engaged uh, when we got to the ASP and I was looking down the river and um, in the direction of the mortar pit, um, uh, you could tell some of those guys were uh, uh, squared away a little bit. You know, they, they probably had, had some veterans. In front yeah, of them. more than likely. Absolutely. And the thing I noticed about them was, is they, they would send people like, uh, uh, I, I didn't see a lot of like elders or like their, uh, uh, it was, it was a lot of young guys, you know, uh, that, that, that was uh, one thing. A lot of young people. I don't know where they came from or what their ideas were or, or whatever the case is, but that's one thing I noticed. It's a lot of younger male, males. So you're you're fighting you're fighting at what range? Probably Costco. You guys were oh, Costco oh, yeah. away. Man, I'll tell they you were, this. They were, they were dropping grenades. It's like oh, oh yeah, Costco. I oh. throw uh, I threw grenades like all day almost, and uh, you can hear them running up the road. Uh, Ronche came up to me and handed me three boxes of grenades. And he said, uh, throw one every five minutes. I didn't have to. I mean, they were just constantly on us. Um, when you threw it, you could hear them. <laughs> uh, you know, it, they were right there. I mean, and uh, man, it was. Uh, Raz told a story. He dropped a grenade and he just saw, saw a dude's clothes like shoot up into the yeah. air. So, I mean, they were, their feet. Skydiving the opposite way. Reverse <laughs> skydiving. But uh, yeah, they, uh, on my side, I had the mountain and then the basin between me. So on my side, it was a good 100, 150 meters. And then, but once those guys went to the other side, it was face to face. Oh man, yeah, probably seven, 10 feet. The guy that got Danley was probably, gosh, 10, 10 feet away from us. And he, and, uh, that was just uh, that was too. Also, I think like Danley uh, was just uh, uh, doing his best. I mean, he fed me so much ammo. And he he was a great AG right there uh, for a while, and that guy just popped up. You know, I'm not sure what happened. We seen him, and uh, that's just you know, uh, uh, Danley got hit, and uh, uh, I, I was by myself a few times at that position just completely by myself and uh, Roche and some people would come up to me every now and then and say hey uh what's going on you need anything like I said with the grenades and stuff like that and I finally did get somebody uh uh to to try and help me but uh it, it was mainly my show right there uh it, it was it was pretty close really really close how many Enemy, do you think made it inside the camp? It's, it's tough to tell because a lot of them took off. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I know off just off the top of my head, I, I had seven people. I mean, that, I mean, if I sat here and thought about it a little more, maybe. There was at least that many bodies. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Seven bodies up the yeah. base. And like I said, when, when we pushed around, like you're like, uh, they were like, holy shit, they're still alive. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we surprised them. At the point where you guys did that, was there air at that? Would you guys have air at that point? Yeah. Well, 
the first two birds that came got shot and they had to go back, right? Yeah. So we had two helicopters come and uh, I think they got hit. So we had to wait. Then we got fixed wing and fixed wing was just dropping JDAMs left and right. Yeah, like a couple, blowing. couple strike eagles, a couple A pens. And it's always, it's always nice to see an A pen. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Sure. And, and, and they were dropping from the OP, they were dropping mortars. Like, it, didn't they drop a mortar inside the base? Yeah. Yeah, we were calling for mortars inside our own base. Um, but, you know, we talked earlier about the Bo Bergdahl thing. And one of the things they told us is we didn't have as much air support for you guys because they were, they were looking for Bo Bergdahl. Yeah, thanks. thanks. Yeah, thanks, Bo Bergdahl. Thanks, so, bro. <laughs> so it, it all comes around. I mean, when we were over there, we actually looked for them, too. Yeah, we did. I remember yeah. those missions. Yeah, we were setting up checkpoints to try to find them. So not a you won't find a Bo Bergdahl fan around <laughs> these parts. I remember they explained it to me. They're like they're like he left. I was like, you mean like he he went outside the wire like he wanted to? And I'm like, yeah. I was like, man, he got a dummy. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you do that? I don't know if you want to put that in there, but dude, that was it. That think- was just my take on it. It was just I don't that think, was insane. I don't think there's too many Bo Bergdahl fans out there. Anyway. Oh, yeah, but the air support we did have, man, there was like nothing more. Like you were talking about those like pick you up moments when you could see him just come down. You hear that A ten blow up a mountainside, and then when we got the the Apaches would come back, and they were just lighting up our mule. Uh, it was it was like okay, I think we I think we we had a B one Lancer too drop its whole payload. That was pretty fun. Yeah. Almost killed Kyle Knight. <laughs> yeah, I think they actually said it. It should have. Killed at least one of us. Yeah. Danger close, wasn't it? No, mm-hmm. this is within what, like six hundred meters. What was that? Two, the two thousand pounder. Six. I think. I think. How much can a B one Lancer hold? It was two thousand pounders, but it dropped them all. Oh, the village geez. right outside the What's wire. it called? Winchester. When like, you, they yeah, Winchester. Winchester the bomber. We were soldiers. Mm. When everything just starts to you burst know, and blow everything up. Wow. That air support was, was on say? point. They say Winchester when that happened. I don't know if they said it. <laughs> Broken arrow. Broken arrow. Well, yeah, in the book, in the book they talk about you guys were broken. Clint Romache talks about uh, that you guys were broken arrow but didn't know the word. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, that movie, the, the Christian Slater movie. <laughs> That's what we are right now. I think it's John Travolta. Yeah, definitely air support was was like money when they came back. And you, I mean, Jones and I were just talking about the uh, the Apache, the uh, the casings were falling off the Apache oh, yeah. and just raining down on top of you. Yep. So uh, it was that was that was a huge turning point too. Is when we finally could take the air back. One thing that surprises me, uh, I guess, you know, somebody was w- w- in acknowledging how bad it was and the casualties, it, somebody was looking out for you guys that day because the fact that everyone who was killed, everyone who was, every, try to think, how, sorry, I'm trying to think how I want to say this. No one who wasn't killed sustained any catastrophic injuries, it seems like. So his band leave. Yeah. What was his injuries? Uh, he, uh, he got shot in the arm <clears throat> right next to me. Uh, 
that guy got him and uh, uh he just it uh i don't i don't know the extent of what happened to him but uh but yeah i'd say though uh everyone recovered anyone who was injured aside from those was able to yeah recover i think that's so, yeah. pretty miraculous yeah. especially uh what was the base that lost nine guys uh well not well not uh i mean they had they had a, a much better position. They had less people attacking. Like if you just did the math, you'd think that we we should have lost about three, four times the guy, if not everybody, of what we actually lost. And then everyone who uh, was able to walk out, we all you know were able to walk ourselves on the, the helicopter yeah. and get out. The last the last helicopter, by the way. <laughs> the last helicopter. Yo, but, you want to tell them the time frame they gave us? Yeah. <laughs> At the end. Uh, so the. Uh, so the, as the as the day goes on, and you guys are getting air, and you're starting to take, you're starting to win. But when did you feel like the tides had turned, and 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 you started to think, hey, I think we're winning. I think we're going to win. When his element pushed out, that from that point forward. But as far as as far as I was concerned, I could hear him just kicking their asses out of there. Because you hear you you exactly started started happened. hearing more outgoing than incoming. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was just gonna say when they told me they got Mace, when Mace they brought back Mace, and then you know they were like Larson and Mace are back. Because I mean we literally and then we found out the mortar platoon was alive. Um, you know, but Thompson had been killed. But yeah, those it, were... it was like it, we went from thinking that we lost, you know, all these guys, and they're like we got them, they're back. It was just like, all right, let's kick ass. So uh, that was a huge moment for us is, is when Mason, Larson, and everybody found out they're still alive. Do you know um, at what point they declared that tick was over? I don't think they did. Nah, I never heard of it. We, maybe yeah. after QRF got there. Yeah, maybe. probably probably when 101st. Yeah got there they didn't get there until like after, late after the sun went down yeah they took how many hours did it take them to pick their way down the mountain like long time they were taking contact yeah too. It, it wasn't until qrf got there and that was late at night when at what point did you guys all see each other again that, that night when they, night. they finally took over our, our fighting positions and they actually let you go off and we were we still pulled DCP guard yep. overnight. <laughs> Wake up and get your ass back out there. <laughs> Joe, they, uh, Sergeant Raz came and got me and he's like, man, you've been up there for 14, 15 hours. He's like, hey, why don't you, uh, I'm going to give you an easy job. Why don't you go to the ammo depot? And I was heading over there. And then first time I was getting people to take the, the bodies on the helicopters. And that's when I saw, saw Jonesy because we were both yeah. on that detail. And then I didn't see Knight until. When we, we got to the back to the barracks that night. Yeah, I didn't see you. You were still in that position until QRF got there. Yeah, we had pushed out to the chow hall and uh, laid down sea wire. Mm. And I could watch. I, I had, uh, I think at some point, I, I got a hold of a thermal optic 240 and watched them come down. Whole cops on fire. We could yeah. see each other like playing as day. I remember the colonel. We, we were, I, I, for whatever reason, right before I finally, you know, got the tech, you know, you know, quit and go, go back to the barracks. I was back at the in the, in the ditch, and the colonel had flown in on the helicopter, and he was, like, <laughs> looking out 
over the base, you can see like the flames reflecting in the glasses. He's like, oh. And I looked at him, I just like waved my big like, helmet bounce back and forth. Like, hey, sir. That he was, he back at you, dude. Oh, that was, yeah, he was like, and then let's turn around. Kyle and I would always be like, Ooh. it was almost like high five. Like, dude, you're still alive, man. Okay. What's up? Yeah, I may get a promotion after yeah, all. Hadn't seen you in a while. Uh, Do you guys? So I was asking Kyle, but I'll, Zach, I'll ask you. Um, I asked about you. Basically, was a. Considering how many rounds you put down that day, I said, you must have been standing in a pile of links, like just swimming. Is that? Oh, yeah. Up to his ankles. Up to my ankles. <laughs> uh, yeah, because those Mark 19 links are like huge. Yeah, you know? yeah. So uh, I opened the front door because it kind of blocked. The Humvee door could swing open and it would block, like, you know, because it was up against the building. So I would just constantly be kicking it out, kicking it out. And then I looked down in that ditch afterward, and it was just this giant mound of, <laughs> of links and stuff. Just shells everywhere. It was Dude, tell them I'm sorry to stay and save your life, bro. So uh, I don't even know why I did it, because th- those trucks, like, couldn't drive. They were, they were like, they've been sitting for, like, six years, yes, three years. Three years, <laughs> the truck never moved. Sergeant Stanley just walked over. He's like, hey, I, I want you to be able to, like, see something. Or he didn't really even give me a good example. So he hops <laughs> in this truck that hasn't been started in, like, years. And he's just, like, laying down the gas. And all this smoke's popping up. And I was like, man, I don't think it's going to move. It popped forward, like, six, seven feet and then died. And I was like, okay, Sergeant Stanley, well, what do you want me to do? And, and right when I was talking to him, a B-10 rocket, ripped through where I was because uh, I guess the building we had sandbags to get a little extra cover and it blew all the sandbags apart and would have ripped my head off. Yep. Probably like eight seconds from uh, when he moved the truck to when he stopped it. Holy shit. Sergeant Stan's a good guy, man. And then I said, I looked down, Sergeant Stanley, you know, he didn't show like any emotion except for anger. And uh, <laughs> I was like, Sergeant like, Stan, you saved my life. I didn't, you know, I didn't even know what to say. And he literally just turned the truck off. He's like, no, I didn't. He got out of the truck and left. <laughs> oh, my God. That's – well, I'm I'm just assuming that all of you guys probably had that happen over and over – instances like that oh, happen I, over and yeah. over again that day. It got boring. <laughs> <laughs> we, we were laughing yeah. in certain – I mean, like um, – it was horrible. It was, uh, like I said, it was chaos. But uh, if that's your job and that's what you like doing, man, that was, I mean, it, it was crazy. It, uh, like he said, when he was talking about Raz doing, uh, making that guy go reverse skydiving, I mean, we, it's, I mean, in the middle of combat, just died laughing. <laughs> I mean, just horse laugh. And, uh, it's just uh, sometimes, I mean, things just aren't as funny. you know. <laughs> I, I really think because I was talking about Romache when he came over and he had like a bad bandage. It was like the worst job I've ever seen. Yeah. His blood. <laughs> and he just smiled at me like, we're all going to die. Yeah. He had blood in his teeth and shit. And I yeah. was like, what is going on in that noodle of yours, man? 
He's like, well, keep it up. Probably not going to matter. Yeah. And he left. yeah, he told me one time, not looking good, dude. It's <laughs> like, yeah, I figured that. We're all going to die. I, I always thought of it, you know, when you have a little kid and he falls, and depending on how the parent reacts. Yeah. Like, I think the, the mindset of the NCOs were like, if I don't, like, show fear or anything, everyone will be okay with it. And I think that's what they did. They just held their shit together long enough for us to keep doing what we were doing. Did it? So, as far as that goes, did it kind of spike throughout the day moments of fear and calm? Did it did it yeah, ever like yeah. did it ever go in waves where you would find yourself kind of like you know, like Kyle, what you said, like it got boring, you know, like you kinda almost become comfortable in that situation for a second and then it hits oh, you yeah. again like holy shit, what the fuck is going on? So I just kinda was in another the world eventually the point where you just you just can't ride that roller coaster for that long you just plus your adrenaline starts to wear off yeah you get all sleepy and it's like you're well most of us were out in t-shirts because we were just you know about to go to bed or whatever so like and then it starts raining it just got real cold i didn't have that moment for a while it was it was running again for me a lot I <laughs> day, I was, mr rambo i just all over the place man i i think my low is when uh, stanley came to my truck and he's like hey we lost Kirk, and he, I think at that point we had lost four guys that we knew of. And he's like, "I just wanted you to know, you know, we got to keep it up." And then he left, and I was like, "Fuck!" And uh, and then Raz came, and he's like, "You know, keep it up, we're winning." And I was like, "Okay, I'm back in it," you know. So uh, definitely, when you, you find out we lost another guy, it like brought you down. But uh, we always give that credit to our NCOs, just to be able to snap us back into it and give us the the spark we need to get back into the fight. So at the end of at the end of this, did you guys have an EKA account? Uh, uh, a heart, a heart was missing, missing for a while. No, uh, right? oh they, sorry, they, en- enemy, enemy. Oh no! Uh, I, I always tell this story. The next morning, where Jones was, <laughs> there was a there was a small like knoll. And it was like bright green. It was on the other side of the river. And I remember I went out there and I looked at that knoll and there was probably 30 dead bodies just laying on this knoll. And then bodies, you know, you could look up in the hills and you see some parts of people. Uh, on the In the base, we had probably like seven, eight bodies lying around. I mean, they were literally scattered. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Everywhere. We had to search them and see what if we could find intel and... One dude just had berries in his pocket. Yeah. How big was the Real stack hard. of weapons we captured? Like, oh, dude. And they had some pretty, they had some pretty fancy gear. Like they, you know, some exotic stuff like bullpup AKs and yep. stuff like that. But yeah, we, I don't think there's any idea for us to tell even a number. They were everywhere. It was, it was uh, truly like nothing I've ever, you know, you talk about killing fields and places where there's just bodies everywhere. Mm-hmm. That's like the best way to describe it. It's just like, they were everywhere, littered about. Yeah, you had like the most devastating weapon. I mean, this guy. Sure, just obliterate him. Dude, I'd turn around, <laughs> I'd see, I'd be like, oh, who's that? Doesn't matter anymore. They don't exist. I mean, it's, it's, that Mark 19 is pretty devastating when it works, right? Mm-hmm. You don't how break did you, it. How did you keep that thing running? CLP, just pound those. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't stop. Well, I was talking to Kyle. The other day, and I and uh, we were talking about how many rounds you guys shot, and he was talking about his two forty, and uh, right, your two forty, 
And I was, yeah. I was like, how many rounds you shot through one barrel, you know, basically nonstop. And I eventually, um, I eventually, uh, had to give my 240 to Sergeant Hill. And then I ended up with a Mark 48 about halfway through. And, uh, and he said he I, lost I, it, was your... like a, it was like a game of Call of Duty. I kept throwing away guns and getting new ones. I shot like <laughs> eight or nine different guns. I find a cooler gun, but <laughs> pick something else up. I mean, that's, that's a true sign of like the chaos was like, you just picked up a gun. Yeah. I found there was that dragon off that was over by where Sergeant Hill was. And I picked it up just, you know, I looked through the scope, see if I could see anything. I just start popping around off of the hillside. Like, you see something? I'm like, no, I've always wanted to shoot one of these, man. <laughs> and that was an enemy's gun? It was an A and A gun that A&A they had gun? abandoned or something. Oh, the A and A had them. Yeah, well, A and A dropped everything. Oh yeah, that's gone. That's yeah, they that's, were that's A and A TTP right there. I was behind or in front of. Jones kicked one, I think. Right? I kicked the door open because uh, I don't know what I was You're, doing. I think you guys were clearing, still clearing that area, right? I cleared it. I don't remember what. Did you I was steal doing. cigarettes from? Them? I did. I gave <laughs> everything they had in there. I mean, I stole their cigarettes, their dip, uh, a rug to cover my gun, um, and I went around the corner. And I'm telling you, man, there was like 12 or 15 A and A in the interpreter. I said, "You guys need to get out of here right now and start fighting because we're starting to, you know, the turning point, right?" We should have shot those dudes, <laughs> dude, man. That that interpreter looked at me and he said, "No." And they all just looked at me and I said, you guys are a bunch of fucking pussies. And uh, I just turned around. Not a motherfucking one of them came out until the, who's their head guy? Uh, the commander guy or whatever. I forget. He came in there and it was dark. I'll put it down. Straight cowards. I mean, I'll tell you that right now. I don't care. A&A, straight I, cowards. I had one dude. He was, they would like make fun of him. Remember that dude? And, uh. They would like the other A and A would pick on this dude, and uh, on October third, this dude grabbed whatever the two forty equivalent of the A and A machine gun is, P camp, and he just hung out with me, and then would disappear and come back with like a fire extinguisher. I think he thought it was a weapon of some sort, and then he would like disappear and come back again, and uh, that was the one A and A guy that stayed and fought. Yeah, and uh, when we got back to Bostic, that dude got promoted to like first sergeant. He was fucked. Around like a beret and stuff. <laughs> I remember that guy. Yeah, he, was awesome. he went to PK, right? No, no, he was at he was a boss. Every time okay. he see me, he'd be like, <laughs> "I'd be yeah. like, thanks, bud, you're cool." The yeah, uh, you're all right. The A and A is 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 fucking horrible. So yeah, they were garbage. Yeah, when when it kicked off and they were fleeing, the Latvian dude kept saying he was yelling. And they have like an Arnold Schwarzenegger accent. And the dude looks like Arnold Schwarzenegger. But he was like, this is your country. Stay and fight. And they were running past him. Like, Stay and fight. This is your country. And that's when I was like, oh, no. I'm dead for sure. They're hard asses, bro. They, went, they eventually came around the corner with us. Uh, and, uh, uh, man, they, they were just – one of us looked at him and were like, hey, you got a – Grenade launcher on that thing, don't you? He says, of course. <laughs> and he shoots that thing, man, just whacks this dude. Drilled him. Dude, man. Did it, it physically, was, didn't the grenade physically yeah, did it? it? Dude, like at his feet, son. Like blew him. I mean, that was a guy with his, his legs. He was, when we when we found the body, he was in a turtle ditch, and he was sitting on his own head because <laughs> the bottom of him had been blown off, and it was like laying on top of him. I was like, that dude's sitting. 
on his own head. I was like, check this out, guys. <laughs> oh, man, that was, that was awesome. What was his, the bigger one, Lucky? Lucky. He was a hard ass, and that Martin guy was too, and uh, they stood right there and fought right with us, man. Yeah, a lot of kids were awesome. Good guys. Good. At the end, so at the end of the day, literally at the end of the day on October 3rd, you guys have QRF on station. You are, you leave that base within how long? How long after did you leave? Three days. Three days. Three days, right. Three, okay, I remember you telling me that. Three so days the after. The day after we did our, we, we actually pushed out a patrol into the removal. Yeah, it was the, that was the next day. Yeah, so QRF held the base, and the next day we pushed we pushed out into Ramul. What was the uh, goal of that? Well, just as I don't know, but they had they had went and executed the entire police force and dumped their bodies in a ditch. And I mean it, that village was like annihilated. They were wearing their clothes too. So I mean, we, it was the next day we were back out on mission. Were they pretty surprised to see you guys roll in? People were hanging up laundry, yeah. like in the village. They were just like nothing happened. Wow. So, so you guys probably go through and you know clean out all your comsec, all your sensitive items, inventory, and then you guys leave Keating, and then they blew that place up, right? Well, they had rigged it to blow. <laughs> But the gentleman who rigged it to blow, uh, you know, we all make mistakes. <laughs> well, we all have those times, you know. I was supposed to bring the folder. I forgot the folder in my car. I got to run back. So uh, it was on a timed charge, and he lit the charge, and then uh, it didn't blow up. So they, the, the guy in the, the helicopter is like, all right, guys, get ready for a show. And it was like, nah. <laughs> Yeah, so they, I think it was the next day because they have uh, Taliban footage of them like running on the treadmill in the gym and stuff. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, I got to see that. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. I remember Sugar Man was Sugar there. Sugar Man was there, yeah. The guy that was our uh, like Afghan guy in the kitchen was like taunting the United States. He looked States. like the leprechaun from Leprechaun. He wanted your sugar like you wouldn't believe. But I mean, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the guy. Yeah, they get the nickname Sugar Man because you love sugar. Yeah. Uh, they, uh, so I think it was the next day they sent the B-10s and blew it. Yeah. I think it was one day after. So they, they rigged it to blow. Things happened. And then uh, so they had a day where the Taliban was kind of taking pictures with some, like, of our stuff and everything. And then they blew it up. After we spent day. literally hours moving all the 120-millimeter mortars from the mortar pit to the building that we are going to blow up. That was a whoopsie. Did um so so you guys go back to Fob Bostic after leaving Keating, and you guys finish another eight months of deployment, and you guys go and do missions and uh, QRF and everything. Um, did other soldiers treat you guys differently after that? They all hated us. They all hated us. <laughs> They would, they would, they would try to, they, yeah, they try to spread rumors like, uh, I heard you guys didn't do good guard. Like we were guys, sleeping. Yeah, there was were, one of them. The only reason they on got guard. on base because you guys were sleeping. Uh, and I mean, 
it was weird, man. Like people, people were like disrespectful. <laughs> you, think that, you think that as soldiers, we'd be like, "Oh man, I'm so happy you guys." <laughs> they were talking shit and like everything else. Oh yeah. Oh, it was awesome. You know it's them because they don't have any clothes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, we got back. I think, I think one of the questions we were talking about was like, how did, you know, did you feel like rock stars when you got back? You know, you survived this battle. Uh, they treated, I think they treated us worse because <laughs> we got back. <laughs> oh, fuck, dude. Like, scrub the floor. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was, it was weird. And then they built brand new barracks and we thought we were going to get them. And they gave them to another troop. <laughs> and our barracks were beside the 155. So another 155 would shoot and blow our doors open. Like, huh? In like the middle of the night. It was awful. It got to the point where you could literally sleep through an artillery barrage. <laughs> yeah. So for, so, so if you're listening, 155s are artillery rounds, like giant cannon rounds. And, uh, and you've probably seen videos online of them uh, where the guys stand around and they fire it and everyone like, you know, turns and covers their ears, kind of like after when you drop a, lay a mortar, but then you see like the ground shake and the and dust pop up, and that's a one five five. If I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong. The one five five at Fabostic had held after Cop Keating held the record for a, the longest continuous fire. I think it's like ninety two rounds. Yeah, I heard that. And it's like the barrel turned purple, and it's like in the Fort Sill artillery. Was that birth control or the other one? <laughs> I mean, literally, you want to talk about some hard ass on the side of this thing? It said "fucking birth control." You're damn right, brother. It was crazy. Uh, like my nuts into shoes. <laughs> How did you guys, when you were overseas, did you guys have a memorial? We did. It was rough. It was a rough one. Yeah. Uh, Captain Porter, who we all disliked heavily, uh, he was flying. So he was our previous captain. And he was flying for the ceremony. And uh, once again, not to name names, but certain people in platoon are approaching. They're like, don't hit this guy. Yeah. Like people, people were trying to fight him. Like they, we kind of thought it was disrespectful that his lazadaical attitude about things cost lives, and he was going to come out to the memorial. But um, yeah, we did the memorial. It was it was a uh, it was tough, and but I thought you know it was the healing process because like right after that we had a little get together powwow thing, and then it was right back to action after, right after that. First it was. Uh... He kept us together, man. Mm-hmm. But that's what I was—I was actually just going to say that it was a—he uh, was your only—he was your only platoon sergeant, or he was your only senior NCO left, right? Uh, him and uh, Sergeant Stanley. Sergeant Stanley, uh, did they work to kind of shield you guys from some of the BS and all that? Or oh, hell yeah. I mean, we came back and, you know, you were kind of talking about before, or maybe that was before. When you're out on that mountainside, you you know, it's the blind, the the, uh, blind spot of the army out there, you know, (laughs) you kind of develop attitudes and and habits that are not uh, conducive to the U.S. military. So when we came back, you know, we'd, you know, go out in our t-shirts, we'd uh, walk around at night. And we'd always be getting I would wear this hat. Yeah, we'd wear hats, and uh, <laughs> you know, we just we 
for three, four months of this deployment, we lived a certain way and then snap your fingers. Now you have to kind of go back to how it was in garrison. And they were always trying to get us in trouble, bust us and uh, all the NCOs, you know, basically stood between us and, and the higher ups. Uh, and I think honestly, the higher ups had some beef because they got in trouble for everything. And they kind of had this like bad spot for us. So shit our, rolls downhill. Shit rolls downhill, and and uh, those guys would would stand in front of everybody. Larson, Raz, uh, Stanley, and Romache. You know, those were our like uh, senior NCOs, and they would they they put up for you. You know, absolutely. That's good. That's good to hear. I mean, you don't know it. You don't realize it until, at least in my experience, you don't realize it until later. But a good senior NCO, you don't realize how much work they do for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, until later, until you look back on it, kind of, because if they're doing their job, you would think they weren't doing anything, you know. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> but in reality, they're they're taking good care of you, you know. Um, my uh, my room in Keating, the wall got blown out, so I had a piece of plywood for a wall. And uh, whenever they would discipline the NCOs, it'd be outside, like in front of our barracks. I mean, they were trying to fire uh, Romache, they were trying to fire. Uh, Kirk, they were trying to get, you know, they said your platoon's undisciplined. Your, yeah. You got sideburns. Your sideburns. They had a, they hated sideburns. Uh, <laughs> and they were trying to always, always bust our NCOs for like letting us, but they, in their eyes, saw get away with stuff. Uh, but uh, it was just them standing up because we always talk about weaker NCO would just step to the side and be like, okay, I understand, you know. We won't go out on patrols to the top of the mountain. We won't do this. We'll do what you say. Uh, and they were just hard asses. They didn't. They didn't care, and they uh, followed through on everything they said they would. Okay, guys, that wraps up episode two. That was pretty intense. Uh, as we end this episode, I hope that you have taken the time while listening to this to to try to understand what these guys have been through. And, uh, and I want to give them a big thank you for taking the time to share this story because it's something I think everyone should hear. This is what the military spirit is. This is what the warrior spirit is. Um, the story of teamwork, the story of love, the story of a band of brothers who fought so hard to defend that base, but really to defend one another. They fought to defend one another. And when they talk about it, it's obvious in their voices. And if you're watching the video on YouTube, it's obvious when you see the looks on her face, when they start talking about their platoon and their teammates, uh, that they are that, a band of brothers. Thanks for listening to episode two. Check out episode three next, which is where we're going to talk about um, some of the emotional impacts of the battle and life post-2009, post-Army, including the award of the Medal of Honor to two of the soldiers that day and uh, remembering the fallen. Thank you very much.